BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Before we usher you into the episode at hand, a season preview and predictions episode for the upcoming 2020-2021 Lakers season. I wanted to add this caveat and this addendum, although the addendum's coming beforehand at the start of everything, uh, that during our recording, news came out from Wojnarowski that the Lakers and forward Cal Kuzma have agreed to a three-year, $40 million contract extension that includes a player option in the last year. And I just wanted to give my quick thoughts on that since we weren't able to get to it during the season preview and predictions portion. So by all accounts, this is huge. Uh, Just when you thought, and I've I've said this before, but just when you thought Rob Palenka was done with the offseason, just when you thought Rob Palenka couldn't outdo himself anymore, right at the buzzer, right before the season's about to start, Rob Palenka is able to finesse a cheap bargain deal like this with a promising young player like Cal Kuzma and get him at an average of about $13 million per year. Now, if you've listened to previous podcasts, I've been hoping and praying that the Lakers would be able to come to an agreement with Kuzma in the ballpark of around $12 million, $12 to $13 million, which is essentially the Jordan Clarkson special that they gave him for his first big contract. The fact that they were able to get Cal Kuzma to agree to a deal like this when the summer of 2021, the best free agent on the market's probably going to be Victor Oladipo, and Cal Kuzma had a good shot at getting paid an upwards of 18 to 20 million just by virtue of the fact that the superstars, quote unquote, superstars on the market were pretty much non existent. The fact that Rob Palenka was able to get Cal Kuzma to agree to a deal like this while also still giving Cal Kuzma the optionality of going back into the market at age 27 or 28 in his prime if he so chooses to, it's just a perfect marriage for both sides. It pleases both sides and their motivations and wants. It gives the Lakers control over a guy that they drafted And even if he doesn't progress in the way that they hoped, or even if if he doesn't fit the long-term plans of this franchise, it gives them the option to use him as an asset to get something back for the future. The worst-case scenario of this was Kyle Kuzma balls out this season and really excels in whatever role Frank Vogel gives him, and he outprices himself to the Lakers. Now, the Lakers can match any offer for Kyle Kuzma 
that is given to him, that they want to match. But if Kyle Kuzma balls out this season, he could have gotten a $20 million restricted free agency offer from another team hoping to poach Kyle Kuzma away from the Lakers, a team that was simply banking on Kyle Kuzma being in a different situation, having the ball in his hands more, having a higher usage rate, and getting back to his like rookie season where he was a an offensive powerhouse, you know? And even while the Lakers could have matched any restricted free agency offer for Kyle Kuzma, their books are tight because they don't want to pay too much in luxury tax, given they have to think about retaining a guy like Dennis Schroeder, who's probably going to make 15 to $17 million. They have to think about Alex Caruso and, and what amount to re-sign him at as well. They have to think about THT and whether or not uh, an opposing team can offer THT the starting year salary of $10 million in a poison pill contract for his restricted free agency rights. So matching an offer sheet for Kyle Kuzma at around 18 to $20 million would have been a tough pill to swallow. And the fact that the Lakers were able to lock him in for next year and the year after that at $12.5 million the first year, slightly escalating from there, you just have to give Rob Palenka one last standing ovation and round of applause for this because, again, it gives the Lakers optionality, it gives Cal Kuzma optionality, and it keeps us flexible and versatile, which has been the two main descriptors for the Lakers these last two years and fittingly fits what Cal Kuzma can provide this Lakers, flexibility and versatility. I mean, we've seen the guy play shooting guard at 6'9". So kudos to Rob Belenka. Congrats to Cal Kuzma for getting paid the most he's ever gotten paid. And I think the biggest thing this does for the Lakers from an intangible standpoint is it keeps everybody happy. After an offseason where everything went right for us, what Rob Palinka did here to make sure that Kyle Kuzma doesn't get left out, gets paid, is going into the season feeling good, that can't be understated. That could potentially be a huge part of how this team continues to progress and gel together. The good vibes are continuing. They, they got that momentum rolling from the offseason and from the championship season. And the last thing the Lakers would have wanted is for Kyle Kuzma to sort of kind of be off in his own world and feel the pressure of a contract year and have his mind elsewhere, thinking about getting his own stats and whatnot. Instead, with this extension, Cal Kuzma can not only feel secure, but the Lakers and Rob Palinka can feel secure about how to move forward with dealing with the assets that they have, not losing an asset like Cal Kuzma for nothing. They'll at the very least be able to swing him for a trade and get something back. But most of all, they allow Kyle Kuzma to continue to grow and progress without any outside distractions hindering him or being a burden on his shoulders. So yeah, the biggest thing this does for the team as a whole is the good vibes continue to roll. They can use that momentum. Kyle Kuzma already didn't have any pressure on his shoulders or Kyle Kuzma already had less pressure on his shoulders with the amount of talent that the Lakers brought in. But the fact that he has this new shiny contract that he can hang his hat on you have to think he's going to be feeling really good entering this season and that notion of him doing whatever it takes for the Lakers to win a second championship will probably be at the forefront of his mind versus him trying to get stats and make sure that he looks good for his upcoming free agency. So again, kudos to Rob Belenka, kudos to the Lakers, congrats Kyle Kuzma, let the good times keep on rolling. With that said, I'm going to turn it over now to our main episode our annual Lakers 2020-2021 season preview and predictions episode. It's a really fun one. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys on opening night. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where I'm a little THT pot, short and stout. Here are my handles. Here is my spout. When I get a little steamed up, hear me shout. I'll tip you over and win most improved player of the year in a route. Uh, that's the nursery rhyme that you sing to your youngest boy, Evan. Right, Andy? <laughs> yeah, word for word. Yeah, it, it, it's grown on me through the years, and uh, it's a great song. Uh, but anyways, uh, welcome to the Lakers Legacy <laughs> Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. Before the Lakers take on the bribed overbred Clippers on Tuesday... Today, we're going to have our annual Lakers season preview and predictions episode. And as has been an unofficial tradition the last two or three years, um, I have on a special guest, 30-plus year Lakers season ticket holder, one-time virtual fan in the bubble stands, McDonald's <laughs> mogul, and my best friend, Mr. Andy Chang. Andy, how you doing today, and how's that THT tasting for you? Oh, that tea is so yummy. He is amazing, but I guess we'll get into that later. I'm doing well. Family is doing well. Have not caught COVID yet. That's I think. important. Knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just super excited to be on. Thanks again. And I'm ready to give you my stat prediction. Oh, let's do this. Well, in terms of the THT for me, it's way too hot for me to drink currently, so I just pour it all over my enemies' faces and THT bag them. Uh, the Lakers <laughs> are 4-0 and in the preseason, and they weren't even trying. Uh, Anthony Davis hit six threes last night, scored 19 points in one quarter, 35 through three. THT is looking like the second coming of Kobe Bryant, but in a shorter P.J. Tucker's body. Uh, the Clippers are being investigated for tampering, and life is good in the purple and gold. So, as I mentioned, today we are going to be doing our season preview where we talk about the team as a whole, the new guys that we've seen, and then dive into some fun you know, statistical predictions for the upcoming season that we will 95% get wrong, but nobody ever calls us out on that, and we only pick out the ones we get right if we do get them right. So it's a win-win situation for all involved unless we get something terribly wrong uh, so far hasn't happened but uh, before we get started as usual please follow us on twitter at lakers legacy pod please also rate interview us five stars on the apple podcast app that would really help us out a lot we're trying to get to 500 ratings i think we're at 433 right now and the pace of ratings that we've gotten since we've won the championship has been strangely slow and low so we'd love some help in that department also, if you'd like to help us out in any small way financially and get some exclusive content throughout the season, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Andy, in terms of plugging for you, as I always ask you, what is the seasonal item on the McDonald's menu right now that people can Uber Eats, Postmates, or just drive through uh, on their way to uh, fulfilling their munchies? <laughs> Well, McRib is still in full effect. and Oh, be well, that is until, all you need. <laughs> that's really all you need, yes. We'll be on Grubhub coming January, and we got, uh, we got frozen Coke coming. Like, what kind of Coke? The type you sniff? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the stuff up your nose. <laughs> Coca-Cola, or as uh, they say, pop in the Midwest. Gotcha. 
Well, you know who's on some frozen Coke right now? It's THT. <laughs> um, anyways, so let's get into our episode. And I wanted to start macro-wise and just talk about how the new look Lakers look as a whole to you. Obviously, we've integrated guys like Marcus Gasol, Montrez Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, Wes Matthews, and they've only played probably like you know two games at most for some of them, so it's a small sample size. But given the glimpses that you've seen, I wanted to see uh, what are some of your general impressions? Uh, well, like you said, it's, it's early, but just based on the small sample size, I like what we have. It's, it's very different from, the, the, from last year's team, mm -hmm. uh, but it still kind of has that same feel. The, uh, the, that same team chemistry is still strong. Um, but I'm still curious to kind of figure out what our closing lineup, you know, the last five minutes will be. Mm -hmm. um, there's just so many different options, and I guess based on how the game flows, Vogel will decide. But um, I like the fact that we have a lot of options. You know, that's not always been yep. the case either. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, before I get to my thoughts, though, I wanted to ask you, like, you, you, you said that it looks a little bit different from last year, but what, in what way has it looked different to you from largely a positive end? Well, we don't have that same shot blocking mm -hmm. uh, feel. Like, you know, with, with JaVale and Dwight, you felt like we had that last line of defense there to stop anyone. Now we have Harold and Mark which you know they're more got they're more they like to be in the right positions to mm -hmm. to draw those charges or you know to kind of uh, reroute the the guys different directions um and so it feels more cerebral out there yep things seem a little less hectic yeah um <laughs> and i don't know it's it, it is you know early so we haven't really seen the full team bonding, the, the team chemistry on the floor. Um, but I think that'll evolve very nicely just by the fact that we have so much talent on the floor. Yeah, it seems like we're just running purely off of that talent. And even though we haven't had any sort of continuity with guys coming in and out of the rotation, because these guys are just intuitively skilled, it just seems like we've been together for a, for a while. I mean... We're not even trying out there. We're 4-0 in the preseason. And I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is the offense looks scary good right now. There's a lot of off-ball movement um, on both sides happening, a lot of cutting, tons of skip passes, swing passes, over-the-head post touches, the guys on the move. Uh, we're, it seems like we're running a lot more sets purely because we have more offensively skilled guys who can actually play make, most notably yeah. Mark, always at the top yeah. of the key. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, and yeah, I think we're going to make some huge strides in that department from from last year, just even optically where, you know, if LeBron and AD were out, it was like death, like it was a disaster. Um, it's like <laughs> DEFCON 5, whatever that means. Um, but now, I mean, they bar they've barely played this preseason and it's almost like uh, pick who you want to be your main guy, whether it's THT for a little bit, Dennis Schroeder, Marcus Gasol can facilitate the offense. Kuzma can go off for a little bit. You can dump it down to Trez if you want to. It's it's a it's an embarrassment of riches at this point. It, it remains to be seen how it will all coalesce and gel once we're playing like you know actual games that mean something. But so far, it's yeah. it's looked really good. 
And especially during the times where, you know, LeBron James has decided to turn it up and say, okay, we're actually going to try for this quarter. And when they try and add defense on top of that, it's, it's been insane. Uh, the other thing that I've noticed is just, um, you mentioned not having Dwight and JaVale anymore, but just seeing Marcus Gasol, LeBron James, and AD out there in the starting lineup, they look just as imposingly big and uh, scary as if, as if we had JaVale or, or Dwight in there. So I've, I feel like we didn't really lose the size and toughness factor with Mark. He's almost like Dwight Howard, except like a grandpa version of Dwight Howard, but with a PhD. Like he's just like, a, he's like so smart out there. And like you mentioned, very cerebral on, on both ends. And while he will not be that help defender guy that skies into the air and blocks the shot out of bounds... He has his own weird way of uh, striping the ball from people and also blocking their shots even without jumping. So from that end, I feel like defensively, we haven't really lost a step. It just looks dynamically different. And I feel like the help guy this year seems to be Trez. Now, he's not going to be blocking shots the way JaVale and Dwight were, but he's done a pretty good job thus far of like coming out of nowhere to help... uh, one of, one of his guys to, to block the shot, if, whether it's Kuzma or whatever. So that's been a pleasant surprise. Um, yeah. Has anything else stood out to you from what you've seen? Any lineups that you like? Any guys that you see sort of developing some sort of chemistry together? Well, I, you kind of touched on it. Mark, with pretty much everyone, <laughs> it looks good. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I like the Mark. I was, you know, I was more excited about uh, Schroeder and uh, Harold. But I kind of like Mark and Schroeder a little more. I don't. I don't know. Okay. I, I see that that combo working well. Um, I feel like you know the game is so slow for Mark, and he's just like picking apart every single detail on the floor. <laughs> and I don't know. It, it just seems it's it's like a whole new. I guess character if we were playing a game that we haven't seen in the Lincoln lineup for a long time maybe (laughs) since like Luke you know I I don't know but um, it's it's fun to see out there because you know last year it was all run and gun and everything was you know full court uh, passes and now it's even though Mark can still do that full court pass um, yeah that's been sick yeah I've, I've, I've enjoyed the half court sets let's just put it that way which is a rare thing that you would have said last year. It's like, oh my God, can we just get out and run? And, and now <laughs> yeah. it's like, not only can we survive watching half-court sets, it might actually be aesthetically pleasing this year to watch, yes. you know? I mean, <laughs> I was talking to one of, uh, one of my other co-hosts, Tommy, and I was like, are they running more sets right now? Or is it just because Mark is on the floor and they know that if they move around, they're going to get the ball? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it's probably both, a combo of yeah. both, but it's, I mean, you look at Kyle Kuzma, you know, like his first two years in the league, and especially last year, like he would run off ball and cut and do all this stuff. And I feel like last year, especially, he would lose some steam in that department just because he's like, ah, guys aren't getting me the ball. If Rondo <laughs> does get me the ball, it'll be a turnover because he's only looking for Dwight or AD. Um, who else can really get me the ball? Um, yeah. But this year, you can sense that pep in the step of pretty much everybody, but most especially a guy like Kuzma, who can live purely off of cuts. I mean, his rookie year, it might actually have been sophomore year, 
He had like 42 points on like two dribbles, right? He had that career-high 42-point game against the Pistons where he barely dribbled the ball. And with a guy like Mark next to his side, he can actually do something like that again, which is insane. Um, So yeah, Mark is definitely, surprisingly, one of the biggest dynamics on this team while not playing that many minutes. And it's going to be cool to see how his relationship with LeBron James and Anthony Davis work because I talked about how they look imposingly big. But the scariest part, I think, is just the uh, just how much smarts is in there with all three of those guys. Yeah. Like to have that length and size, but also the smarts and intelligence to go along with it is insane. Because typically you'd have Dwight or Javale in that spot, and while Dwight is smart defensively, you know he still makes some boneheaded plays, can get a little bit in his head a little. But with Mark, he's just for the most part pretty composed, and like you said, it feels like. He's watching everything in slow motion and he's just picking apart stuff. And it's like if you're playing Super Smash Brothers or something and you unlock this new character, and you're playing with <laughs> yeah. him for the first time and you're like, oh, so this is the team now. It's, it, it's pretty yeah. cool to watch. Um, another thing that, I, that I've kind of enjoyed watching is this random Trez, Kuzma, and THT trio. They seem to be a fun tandem, especially on the offensive end. It remains to be seen how they'll do defensively, but... In terms of how they gel together, they seem to have like a good rhythm with each other, playing off each other, cutting, passing to each other. And then when it comes to just isolating on their own, they can each do that as well. And I think they're going to help carry us to some wins during those random second night of a back-to-back. And we've been in the same city for like 10 days and we decide to give LeBron James or Anthony Davis or both the night off. I think Trez, Kuz, and THT can easily sort of play off of each other and really destroy teams uh, on the offensive end and run them out of, out of the gym. So that's kind of been a, another pleasant surprise that I've seen. Yeah. Um, question for you here in terms of this roster as a whole. If you can look back to Lakers history, what's the last Lakers roster that was this deep? In terms of like from guys 1 to 11, and from guys 1 to 11, you could re- make a realistic argument that any of those guys could be starters on any other team in the NBA. Can you uh, remember a t- a, like a Lakers team like that? I, I really can't uh, because I feel like this, this season we have so many veterans that have been previous starters, you know, even last year. Um, but... You know, thinking back to maybe 08, 09, mm-hmm. the season we lost, we had a pretty deep team, and you could make a case for a lot of those bench guys to be starting, but not the way that it is now. We didn't have the same experience that we did, you know, back then. The names, I think, you know, carry weight too, because Marcus Souls is, you know, defensive player of the year. Yeah. Montrez and Harold, they're all award winners in the past and and that's why i think you know there's there's so much to be thankful for (laughs) i guess this (laughs) this this off season and it's it's mind-boggling you know as i said earlier the different options that we have um and it's it's scary to think you know even if we are as you kind of mentioned resting lebron and ad it's scary to think that we could still have a really good team even mm-hmm. without one or even both of them um, because these guys have 
so much I feel like they still have chips on their shoulders like yeah definitely Mar uh, definitely uh, Montrezel but I think uh, a lot of these guys still have a lot to prove and the fact that when they were bringing them in this season I think meshes so well with what we have to do this year which is you know obviously repeat um, but it's it's gonna be a very deep lineup and I, I feel like Vogel has a lot of pressure on him to make the right choices um, and then Keys the fan everybody. base is going to probably rip them out <laughs> based on what, <laughs> you know, the different options. But, you know, it, it's it's an embarrassment of riches, as you said. And it's, I think, much better than um, we've seen in the past, I would say, 10 to 20 years in terms of the depth. Yeah, I mean, they can rip him apart because any guy that they pick in their mind is also a very talented guy. So any argument anybody makes of that guy should be in probably makes sense in any scenario <laughs> yeah. so it's it's kind of I, I i do not envy vogel's job this year in terms of ego managing although thus far you know everything is kumbaya and uh cozy but we'll see how that uh turns out as the season progresses um i just feel like it's a perfect blend of as you said one veteran guys who have won awards and just want to continue stacking onto their legacy but also guys who have also kind of stake their claim on the league, establish themselves as players, but are also still young and in their primes, namely Schroeder, Trez, even tack on KCP to that. Um, so it's insane, the, the perfect blend of young and old prime and, you know, on the way out, but still, I mean, I forgot to mention Anthony Davis as, you know, young guys who have established themselves in their prime. So, I mean, it's it's insane to think about. If I'm talking about what's the last team I remember being this deep, and this is where I put a pause a little bit on all of my optimism for this team. The last time I felt this optimistic about a team that was this deep was, I think, the retooled version of the Lakers post CP3 trade where we got Nash, Dwight Howard. Mm. We, we still kept Pau Gasol. We still had Steve Blake. Jody Meeks was on that team. Metal World Peace was still there. Kobe Bryant. And then we signed Anton Jameson who had just scored like 16 points the, the season before. I was like, oh, right. we got Anton too? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Jordan Hill was making a name for himself that season. Devin Ebanks was kind of coming up. Earl Clark was on the rise. Um, that was a deep team, you know, before the season had started, right? We were like losing mm -hmm. our minds. We're like, oh, we lost Odom, but we pretty much traded him for Steve Nash, but then replaced Odom with Anton Jameson, and we kept Powell. Bynum was injured anyways. Oh my gosh. And then what happened? Now yeah. this is going to be fun happened, and that's the only thing that gives me pause this season where it's like, the last time I felt like it was too good to be true it was too good to be true. <laughs> so uh, I think that mentally is where I want to sort of uh, calm myself a little so that I don't reach that level of disappointment that I felt when that season went haywire because usually when things are too good to be true, yeah. now this is going to be fun, can happen. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of best previous Lakers roster off a championship win... I don't think we've ever had a team that retooled like this after winning. Yeah. The closest might be when we got Meta World Peace, but you know, Trevor Ariza went out the door and we got Meta World Peace, who was more established than him, so I guess it was an upgrade, but not anything to this extent that we're seeing. Um, okay, so you mentioned in terms of like who your favorite 
new player, newcomer is on the Lakers, it being Marcus Gasol, right? And the one thing I want to add to that is he's also my pick for most impressed, the, the most um, impressed I've been with a newcomer um, because to me, he is like this beacon or lighthouse for the rest of the team, like a literal lighthouse and beacon because he just doesn't move. Um, <laughs> he doesn't move from his spot at the top of the key. And I've never seen someone influence the game so much by logging less than five steps on Runkeeper. Like Gasol will dish out four assists and register a step and a half in that time. And it's truly impressive. And I mentioned it on Twitter, but he's like a DJ at like an EDM concert where he's just working the booth and all the lights are strobing outwards and people are just going insane. But he essentially manages the vibe and the tempo of the entire game all from one spot. And I've never seen anything like it. Marcus Saul could average two points for all I care. And it's just, (laughs) all right, man. And what's funny is he'll probably average three points because he'll probably at least hit one three from that same spot that he's dishing (laughs) passes out to. So what a unique player. Um, Quickly, though, let's talk about the guy that you thought you'd be most excited about. And I want to touch upon Trez really quick because I think for me, I've been most impressed by Trez when it comes to the intangibles because I watch his body language out there and how he's reacting. And for whatever reason, I thought he was going to be more of a, maybe like a prima donna, you know, like I'm six, I was six man of the year last year, like give me the freaking ball. But when I see him out there, it seems like he's really for all of his teammates, you know, picking them up, you know, setting solid screens for them, helping them out on defense. And it seems like he's really bought into that whole team concept isn't demanding the ball or clapping for it like he's entitled. So I think from that end, I'm like, oh, uh, that that's something that I didn't necessarily expect, but that I definitely appreciate for the ongoing chemistry of this team. Um, and the times that he has gotten the ball, you know, Trez's upside can't be denied. And what he's done in the past, averaging 18 points a game, you see why because of his soft touch in the paint these floater shots combined with his strength when he kind of like buries his shoulder in his into his defenders and uses his quickness and handles at his size. That's been fun to watch. And again, he's just another option that you can legitimately dump it the ball down to him and he can actually create something on his own. And even in spite of that, he's just kind of played within the flow of the offense and picked his spots. And I think that's one thing that I've enjoyed from Trez thus far. And Defensively, like you mentioned, I think he's going to be more of a perimeter threat in terms of, you know, using his seven foot four wingspan to cause havoc than really being a rim protector. If he is a rim protector, it will be from the the weak side help. But yeah, what are your what have your thoughts been on uh, Trez? Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult to kind of switch the mentality of making him you know a villain of the past couple seasons as a laker fan to now you know uh, part of the team and i think that's kind of where both you and i were kind of surprised by that lack of i guess as you put it madonna type um reaction or feel yeah. Uh, but yeah he is just a, a hard worker out there you know i feel like even though he did win that six man award he does feel like he still has something to prove. Obviously, he doesn't have a championship. Um, but even so, I mean, he, he I just based on the comments in the media, he felt like he was kind of betrayed by yeah. the Clippers or, or 
maybe he wasn't um, satisfied for what they thought he was worth. Um, but yeah, just seeing him out there, it's it. I feel like he has met my expectation in terms of the um, the output and the end result. You know, the 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 stats are are there. He's getting a little more rebounds just because I think you know we don't have everyone out there. But um, I think once everyone kind of settles into their own spots, he'll he'll kind of adjust back to his regular season numbers of last year, unless you know we rest them a lot, which kind of goes into one of my predictions okay. later on. Well, they've been uh, but, playing him yeah. at yeah, they've been playing him at small ball five, especially in those Coos THT lineups. So that's been interesting. Uh, but the, the, I think also the biggest thing you mentioned, he's a hard worker. For me, motor and aggression on our side with Trez is huge, I feel like, especially losing Dwight. He instantly brings that for us, and he's that bully um, that we can use against opposing teams from, like, not only him being strong, but, like, the mental aspect, too. He's just always on. To me, he's like that meta world piece boost in the arm that we needed to really... What's it called? You know, like, after you win the first championship, you need that added motivation and rejuvenation, and that's Trez... All the time so yeah let's talk about before we go to break the man of the hour we've been teasing him this entire time Talon Horton Tucker THT through four preseason games 20.5 points per game 6.5 rebounds per game three assists 2.3 steals 55% from the field 54% from three 90% from the free throw line. <laughs> a hidden gem in plain sight. Andy, what are your what have your thoughts been on the boy wonder THT who just turned 20 and if he were part of this last draft class would be younger than half the class, more than half the class. So would your perception of THT change if he were drafted this year and were a top five pick. Let's say THT put up these numbers and was the incoming number four pick of the 2020 draft. Would you not? Would you be placing a ceiling on his projections? Like I'm sure some fans are in terms of, okay, let's not get too hyped. This was the 46th pick in the second round. But was he really? Because he just turned 20. Yeah, it's it's mind-boggling to see what he's doing out there. It really doesn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> I mean, this preseason has been enjoyable just because we get to see all the new faces. But as you said, the most surprising face out there is this THT guy who we thought we knew but we had no, no idea. Apparently LeBron knew when he scouted him in, yeah. in high school or whatever, but that is, um, he, I feel like he had a transformation of some sort over the 30-day offseason, and he's become this James Harden-like figure out there. <laughs> I don't know where he's pulling out these tricks, but I felt like, that that series against Houston yep somehow awoken this beast and he had this transference of powers with James and now he's like <laughs> he stole his abilities and it you know he has that step back that hop step yep he's making these contact layups and I'm thinking 
who the heck is this guy? And how do we how do we play him more? Yeah. Is this gonna sustain? Because if it does, he's looking like James Harden. You know, it, it's it's amazing. I don't I don't even know how to analyze this, and I don't think anyone knows either because he's just such a shocker. This shouldn't be happening. No, I don't know. I want to walk out of this room right now. Sorry, what did you say? I just need to leave. I want to jump out this window <laughs> right now. Just because the things that he does, I just turn on the TV and he's like, whoa, whoa. And he's, I have no idea what's going on, but I'm very, very happy about it. Well, what's insane is like, he doesn't necessarily look like a 20 year old, obviously because of his insane measurements, but it, it's hard to always be reminded that he just turned 20. When we were playing in the bubble, he was 19. Um, and he did what he did against Houston, meaning meaningful minutes. And when he was out there, I was like, this is very disrespectful, Frank. Do you really think we can withstand the tide? And when THD was out there, we actually extended the lead. (laughs) And that's an interesting theory that you have, that that's when it first occurred, the transference of powers (laughs) between Harden and THT, because after that series, after that game, it's only been downhill for James and uphill for THT, apparently. And you mentioned this transformation may be happening in the 30-day period. I think it happened during that three-month gap from March to when we restarted the bubble because that was essentially an off-season for THT. So, yeah, man, I the way he plays the game, kind of like Marc Gasol, is very... (laughs) It seems like the game is slowed down for him just because he's so grounded whenever he dribbles the ball. It obviously helps to have a seven foot four wingspan where you can yo yo that ball back and forth, and defenders, one, are not strong enough to strip you because you're stronger than they are. Two, they don't know what you're doing with your octopus tentacle hands. And then three, he has this skill and craftiness about him where it looks off balance to us. But for him, nothing seems off balance. He seems very in control. He could be fading yeah. away, and he has perfect control on that shot. If that mid-range jump shot is for real, which it seems like it is, <laughs> and the three-point shot, I don't know if this guy has any weaknesses. <laughs> I, on, 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 honestly, I think... On the surface, the one weakness I would have maybe pointed to was like, oh, he's probably like a terrible free throw shooter, right? But he's drawing free throws at an insane rate. And actually, he had like a shot last night that should have been, he had several shots that should have been and ones because he's drawing contact on every play. And the best part is he's hitting 90% from the free throw line when he's getting there. Is that James Harden or is that James Harden? (laughs) (laughs) I also brought this um, this comp up in my last episode, but he also reminds me of a smaller Paul Pierce because of the craftiness in his game and Paul Pierce going into the lane and all of a sudden with his seven foot three wingspan, scoop de doo out of nowhere. You're like, how did he do that? You know? Yeah. It, it's just an insane combo of size, strength, skill, craftiness, and youth. Because this guy, you're only scratching the surface. Like, he just improved his body this offseason. Like, what happens after this? He's going to get stronger, dude. I don't know how to contain this. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how to contain. Obviously, the one weakness right now is just experience, right? Um, 
and like continued growth and development on the defensive end, being in the right spots, continuing to do the right things, how can he, how does he excel as an off-ball player when he doesn't have the ball as much? And then playmaking-wise, we're starting to see some strides, but that's definitely an area where, I don't know, his ceiling might be high there as well just because he's. it seems like he's learning his powers on the fly, and he's like, oh, shoot, uh, everybody's coming towards me, and I can get an assist five, dif- five different ways, four different ways, you know? So I... But he's got the right guys around him to yeah. really make that that jump that improvement too so i think he's in the perfect position both you know in his age and on the floor and it's just gonna be so fun if we can actually get him meaningful minutes as you said um the future looks very bright so is he the best kobe prospect the lakers have drafted so d'angelo clarkson lonzo brandon ingram randall thomas bryant kuzma or is it still caruso (laughs) (laughs) as it stands now just based on those four preseason games in that that houston series this is kobe light i think right i mean it's it's in terms of the natural skill right yeah i mean he's he's putting on a show out there something that we haven't seen a, a two guard do since kobe I, I guess, like, tangibly, what are some things, you mentioned the step back and stuff, but what are things, why are you, because typically you're pretty mellow about this stuff, so I'm actually surprised that you're this hyped about this guy. You're usually pretty measured in your takes. What about what you've actually seen from him that you're like, oh, that's going to translate? Well, the 30-point game, I mean, he wasn't always playing against the Clippers bench. You know, it, uh-huh. it, was, it was against you know the starters and so just his footwork and the Mm -hmm. balance he has on offense it's i mean that's not fake you can't just pull that out of your hat you know for one game Mm -hmm. that agility the ability to space yourself you know in between defenders and get to your right positions that's that's stuff that sticks so I, i i i think it's real Unless, you know, I'm just getting too old and I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> no, no, this no. Is insane. I, I'm right there with you because his he's a unicorn physical specimen in terms of two thirty with a seven foot one wingspan. Even when he's not doing anything on the offensive end, he's doing something with those arms. You know what I mean? It, it never seems like he's hurting you when he's out on the court. If he's out of position def, defense defensively, He's stripping you anyways because of his long arms. You know, he's causing havoc with those arms one way or another. And defenders seem confused. Uh, Offensive players seem confused. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And yeah, I I mentioned he, he reminds me of, not reminds me of, but the way that Zion Williamson is just a unicorn prospect at his position to have that speed, agility, while looking kind of chunky and big, you, you don't expect him to have the handles that he does. That's kind of THT at the guard position. You know, it's like, why is he so long? Why can he do that? Why is he so big? Shouldn't he be just barreling into people? How come he actually has finesse whenever he does it? You know, it's that combo of like, yo, he can run you over like Randall does, but oh, scoop you do spin away from you. So he doesn't get the charge. You know, it's just... Yeah, and he's he's yeah. learning on the fly what he can do, and it, it's it's <laughs> it's nuts. Um, 
So I, before we take it to break, my last THT thing is, I was like, this is, this is remarkable. We're not going to see anything happen to this guy, even as hyped as we are. He's only going to get like five to 10 minutes. Like, has this ever happened before? Especially on a contending team where somebody rises in the ranks and all of a sudden the coach, it's so undeniable that the coach is like, yo, 15 minutes at least in the playoffs, we're actually going to run you out there. And, um... I feel like we saw a precursor of that in the actual playoffs when he did play meaningful minutes. So why can't we extrapolate that out more consistently? Because he already got that like dry run. And I was trying to think of players like this on contending teams. And you actually only have to look back to last year to see something like this happen. And can THT be our version of Michael Porter Jr.? Who, it was his rookie season last year. He redshirted the first year, but essentially last year was his rookie season. And even if it was his second season, this is THT's second season. Could he be MPJ playing meaningful minutes for us consistently every game in the playoffs, even if it's just 15 minutes a game, but doing those types of things that MPJ was doing for you know a five-minute stretch in the third, and he's extending the lead, and it's like, oh my God, this THT kid, the Lakers cannot put him in any trade package. You know, He's untouchable like MPJ. <laughs> <laughs> or can he be like Tyler Hero in terms of this young rising star where in one burst of a game, oh my God, that dude scored 28 points and uh, we don't know what to do with him. You know, he's not going to consistently score 28, but on one night, if he's super hot and the team's feeding him, he has that talent to do so. So what are your thoughts on that comparison of, we've kind of seen it before. Is it realistic? Yeah, I, I, I think our situation where we're going to probably rest LeBron and, and AD for a lot of the games, I think puts him in a perfect position to really capitalize on those spots like a Tyler Hero or an MPJ, just because he's going to have the opportunity. So if he can show consistency throughout the regular season and put up some you know meaningful results, I think come playoffs, he, we can't say no to him we have to put him in there for those meaningful minutes too yeah it's it's crazy so we'll we'll end the tht talk there take it to break and when we return we'll just do a, a fast run through some uh interesting predictions bold predictions that we have uh of the upcoming season uh both in terms of um, on a macro scale but also some interesting individual player stat predictions as well so we will catch you guys after the break after this dog starts barking in the background not our dog all right, so we are back. Before we get into the statistical predictions, uh, some quick stats from last year's Lakers. Last year, the Lakers were third in the league in defensive rating. They had some slippage during that bubble reseeding play, so probably should be higher, but third defensively is still great. They were also 11th in the league in offensive rating, which is pretty decent considering how porous the half-court offense looked at times, but obviously that's buoyed um, by the fast-paced transition offense that we had. Um, they were first in field goal percentage at 48%. No uh, surprises there. 21st in three-point shooting. No surprises there as well. Uh, 35%, which is actually higher than I thought. Um, they were ninth in rebounding at 45.7. Tenth in assists with 25.4. Fifth in steals, sniping away 8.6 balls. First in blocks, no surprises there as well, which availed Dwight AD, 6.6 .6 blocks a game. So 
this episode, as opposed to episodes past, where we go down the line of every single player, I just asked you to outline three or four, you know, statistical predictions for individual players and pinpoint one that you're pretty sure about, whether it's, hey, for Trez, I predict that he is going to average so-and-so rebounds. So just one stat like that from an individual player, the one that you're most confident about or the one that you think is a sort of hot take or most interesting statistical prediction. So I, I can go first, and then you can give me one of your first ones as well right after. So this season I predict that Anthony Davis is going to average a career high in points. Now that seems counterintuitive because he might be resting, all that jazz. His highest point average in his career is 28.1. So that's already pretty high. 28.1 in the 2017-18 season with the Pelicans. And I think he's going to surpass that with at least 28.5 points this year. And my rationale for that is, in the games that he does play, with guys like Marc Gasol Dennis Schroeder, and even a dude like Wes Matthews who's got some playmaking chops to him, especially way more than Danny Green did, with guys like those feeding him the ball, I think his, his life is going to be so much easier. Obviously, I didn't even mention LeBron, right? Um, he was already like LeBron's number one assisted guy last year, but now he's got all these options where just imagine Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee making life easier for Anthony Davis, and that's an insane thought to think about. And on top of that, I think he's going to rely on his three-point stroke a lot more. And if last night was any indication and what we saw in the playoffs was any indication with regards to his jump shot proficiency, uh, that's going to get his point totals up as well, especially if he's shooting more threes. And then I also expect him to get more free throws because we have a lot of guys who put pressure on the rim, a lot of guys who can create. I think we're going to get into the penalty a lot more. And so because of all those things... I predict Anthony Davis is going to have a career high in points this season at at least 28.5 points, and the guy is gunning for MVP. Jared Dudley's been pumping him up. This dude's got to win MVP. And if you want to win MVP, you got to get people at the start with that you know, 29-point average. So that's my first interesting st- individual player statistical prediction. What about you? Well, I, I like that one. I, I really hope it comes to fruition because then I think we're going to have the number one record. Um, I'm going to go along the same lines as career highs go. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to predict that LeBron James will have a career high in assists. Again? Back-to-back season. Again. So he okay. had just shy over 10. I think he'll just be under 11 this this uh-huh. season, just thinking about the way he's probably going to manage himself. You know, he's probably not going to bully his way as much. Knowing the fact that he has so much talent on this team, I think he's going to be looking to defer a little more just because he wants to integrate the new guys a little more. And a lot of the new guys we have are offensively gifted too. And so we saw what happened... Last year when we had some pretty good shooting, I think we've improved our shooting. Mm -hmm. And so it only makes sense for his assist numbers to also bump up. Well, now that pick and pop game is open to him with Marcus All. And I I like that idea because he's not going to force the issue when he drives. If he's impeded, just pitch it out this time. And 
and Markeith Morris is returning as well. So, I mean, all of our bigs can shoot. And if Anthony Davis is going to improve his three-point shot, it's pick and pop galore for LeBron James. So that <laughs> I like that prediction. All right, my second individual statistical prediction is... Oh, man, this is a wild one. I don't know about this. It's uh, failed many times. But this is the year the Kyle Kuzma will shoot 38% from three-point land, hitting two threes a game, which will be his highest three-point percentage since his rookie year when he hit 36%, and right around the same number of makes his rookie year as well when he made 2.1 a game. I think the stroke is looking a lot more pure this preseason. We saw some instances of that in the playoffs on the bubble as well. I think he's coming into this year healthier than he's ever been. And with the playmakers on this team, the added playmakers, I think Kuzma just needs to set his feet, line that shot up, and let it fly. And it will help if he doesn't take as many of those random half-court heaves this year. He may still do that, but honestly, that's an easy way to raise your three-point percentage because Kuzma (laughs) had at least 20 shots last season where end of the shot clock, let me just hoist this up. And he, granted, he hit like, two or three of them, but it, it's still like a percentage um, decreaser. But yes, I, I predict Kuzma will shoot 38% from three-point land, hitting two threes a game just in time for a big contract, whether it's from the Lakers or somebody else. Nice. Your turn. <laughs> I really hope that one comes to fruition as well because we really need Kuzma yep. to step up this season. I think he has less pressure, actually, than he had uh-huh. last year just because there's so many other guys. But um, this is kind of his year that he needs to do his thing because he's getting a lot of flack and he needs to answer those questions. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to go back to AD on this one. I think his his thing this year is going to... His drive this year, his motivation this year will be to get that defensive player that was stolen Mm. from him last year. So I'm going to say... He's going to either average a career high in steals at around two or a career high in blocks at around three. (laughs) Either way, because the blocks, you know, we don't, we lost uh, the two shot blockers. So I think with Montrezel and and with Harold and um, Mark, both kind of just looking to draw charges, he'll be that off guy, the weak defender who's going to alter those shots and, um, that's going to give him the opportunity to boost those defensive stats. I think he's really out there this year to to lock down that award that, you know, again, was stolen from him. But <laughs> I feel like this is the year that he's going to turn it up even more so than last year. And he's going to rally the guys around that defensive mentality because that's what got us through last year. And, and hopefully, um, hopefully that leads the way to another championship. Yes, sir. And with Anthony Davis, you didn't even need the the gaudy stat numbers to see how he affects the team defensively. But you can't, you won't be able to deny if he averages two steals and three blocks a game. So, (laughs) yeah, defensive player of the year prediction for Anthony Davis coming up. I like it. Um, My next individual statistical prediction that I've pinpointed is... Taylor Horton Tucker will score at least, at least nine points a game and average around 15 to 18 minutes, mostly buoyed by a couple games where he gets like 28 minutes because AD or LeBron sit and they load manage the team. I think he'll probably have a handful of like 10 minute games in there, 
but also a handful of 28-minute games that I think overall will get him to about an average of you know, 15 to 18 minutes. And within that time span, you know, that dude's going to score nine points at least. At least. So that's yeah. my third prediction. What about you? That's a good one. I think that's going to... I think you're selling him short on the minutes. Oh, I might and The points, I think, is, is probably accurate. But I think Caruso, he's getting injured a lot for some reason. So he's probably not going to play as many minutes. Um, and I think that kind of opens up that time. But for my last prediction i'm going to harrell and i'm gonna say he's gonna get double digit rebounds this year oh that hasn't happened ever for him that has not happened so i'm predicting another career high for him um and i think just because we're gonna be resting guys and and ad's probably not gonna sacrifice his body as much it just opens up that five spot for harrell to gobble up all those rebounds and i think he's gonna make a Another push for that sixth man of the year. Ooh, interesting, because the Lakers have like four guys who can push for sixth man of the year. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I like that too. I think it's like putting Trez in that Tristan Thompson role where it's just like clean up the boards, man. Um, so I actually have a fourth one, and I'll just add it here. It's less of an individual one, but it's it, it comprises individuals. So my last interesting stat prediction for individual players would be I predict that the Lakers will have five guys who will average at least three assists a game. Which, which last year, I think they had LeBron, AD, and Rondo who did it. This year, I think it's going to be LeBron, AD, Schroeder, Gasol, and one out of Caruso, Kuzma, or THT is going to hit three, three assists, <laughs> I think. So five guys who will average at least three assists a game. All right, with that said, and the individual stuff out of the way, let's move on to overall team statistical predictions that you may have. I asked you for one or two. Um, I'll go ahead and, and start this off as well. Um, I predict that this year, the Lakers will shoot 77% from the free throw line as a team. Last year, they only shot 72.9%, which was good for 28th in the league. With Marcus Saul replacing Dwight and JaVale, with Schroeder and Wes Matthews coming in with their stellar above like 80-85% from the strike percentages, with Mr. THT contributing to drawing more fouls and shooting it at a very efficient rate, I think they will up their percentage by at least 5 points to 77%, which was good for around 19th in the league last year, and that would be a huge new develop development for this team, who I expect to get in, into, in the penalty early on in quarters. Um, and free throw attempts, the Lakers were eighth last year. I think we're going to be in the top three this year. Uh, Dwight's gone, which comprised a lot of why we went to the line a lot. But I think guys like Schroeder, Trez, THT are going to put pressure on the rim. And uh, yeah, we're going to get to the line a lot, but we're going to hit a lot more of them this year. I like it. Yeah, that free throws have been our Achilles heel for the past, what, 50 years? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that'll be good. Mine is easy. I'm saying we're number one defensively because we lost that slippage very late, and I think this time we hold on to it. Um, just that simple. We're going to be a, a good team, a great team, uh, defensive-minded championship team, I guess. I don't know. Cool. Well, I guess uh, tying to that a little bit, I predict that the blocks will obviously go down, the charges drawn will go up and the steals Wait. steals up for sure. So 
Last year, the Lakers led the league in blocks per game with 6.6. This year, I predict that number will probably drop to around 4.9 or 5, which was good for middle, middle of the pack last year. Um, Lakers were fifth in steals last year with 8.6. I think that number rises to 9.5 or 10 thanks to more THT playing time, thanks to ball hawks like Schroeder and Wes Matthews. And Marcus Gasol is a ball hawk himself, and I think Harrell can be that guy as well. Um, so I think the Lakers are actually going to be like number one in steals, or at the very least top three. And obviously with Trez here, with, with Gasol here, and guys buying in defensively, the new guys, Wes Matthews, Dennis Schroeder, charges are going to go up. Um, Trez last year was, I can't believe they, I looked this stat up, but he was fourth in the league in, in charges drawn, uh, averaging about half a game, like 0.5 charges drawn a game. So I think that'll continue. Uh, the guy who was number one in that stat, former Laker Mo Wagner, with 0.6 charges <laughs> drawn. So just a, just a funny stat to throw out there. So yeah, my, my next prediction is that the blocks will go down, steals up. Uh, so what about you for your next, if you have another team-related prediction? I have the same, uh, the same one, the steals going up, just because of exactly what you said. Um, guys are going to be flying around in the right spots. And I think just the hands that we have, they're so quick and they're so crafty and we want to get out still on those breaks. We have those young guns and the best way to do that is get those steals. Exactly. Okay. I have one more and this one is kind of obvious because of what I predicted above, but assist wise, I think it's going to be a career year for the whole team. We were at 10th last year averaging about 25.4 assists. That was largely off LeBron's back. Anybody, any other time if with LeBron off the floor, if we were running half court, is a disaster. This year, I think we could be top three in assists, if not number one, because so many guys can play make. Marc Gasol, Schroeder, Trez isn't bad. He's always averaged like two assists a game. Wes Matthews can play make and put the ball on the floor a little bit and create something. It's way more than Danny Green, that's for sure. And yeah, because of all those things, I think we could lead the league in assists. And just from the small glimpses you've seen in the uh, preseason, the passing is kind of infectious, right? And the movement's infectious, and the guys are like making the right reads. Kuzma's like swinging that ball really easily. And we could have a Spurs-ish sort of year in terms of uh, <laughs> sharing the wealth, even with you know LeBron James maybe still averaging 10 assists. So. That's my next prediction, just the Lakers being top in assists as opposed to just 10th last year. Do you have any other ones or are you? We're on the same page. I was going to say top three in assists. Uh -huh. You said, you know, if we have five guys with three assists, that the math just adds up. <laughs> and so I think we have the guys to, to make the plays, make the right passes at the right time. It's just a no-brainer for us to, to make those right decisions. Nice. So that'll pretty much cap it off with cap, or cap our predictions for individual players, uh, specific individual players, as well as team-related stats. Um, last question for you is where do you think the Lakers land in the Western Conference, even with all the back and forth and questions about load management? That's sort of been mitigated by the fact that we just have an immensely talented team and load management may actually help Frank Vogel's tough decision of who gets minutes, who to start, how am I divvying up playing time and roles. Uh, yeah, but with all that said, there are going to be definitely times where um, 
LeBron's going to sit or AD is going to sit. And even if they don't, maybe they only play 25 minutes within a game. So with all that being said, where do you see the Lakers landing even still? I think we're still going to be a top three team with the, with the rest in the Western Conference. Um, I think the Clippers are going to finish ahead of us, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and, you know, either, either Denver or Portland, I feel like they'll be up there too. Um, but just because I feel like we'll still be the best team. It's just we don't yeah. always have the best players playing. Um, so come playoffs, we have started to develop that mentality of turning on that on switch, which is never a good thing. <laughs> uh, but with the the amount of rest that we're going to have this year with, with AD and LeBron, I, th- I don't think we can secure that top spot. Um, but we'll be in prime position because, as you said, we're going to have those players ready uh, to contribute when it comes to playoffs. Yeah, I'm pretty much right in line with you. I don't think you'd be surprised if we still got the top seed, right? Just because... I wouldn't. Yeah. I'm selling us short. (laughs) I I mean, I'm with you, though. I'm like, I think we throttle back and forth being one, two, three the entire season. And with like 10 games left, we're just going to be like... All right, we've proven enough. Uh, home court is not really going to be a thing this year again, so yeah. let's just rest those last 10 games. So I think we'll be like a number one team for the most part of the season, but towards the end, I think we just kind of start to manage a little bit better the pacing and whatnot and the rest. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I'm right there with you. I, I The reason why I think they have a chance at number one is the vibes may just be so good everybody's rolling off each other the momentum <laughs> is high and you know ad may be having this mvp sort of year lebron james is feeling like he could do something historic here you know on his way to the six the vibes and the momentum could lead them to just going let's do something great here um without necessarily pushing themselves because i think this team is learning on the fly just how good they can be as well and health provided, obviously, that's the number one factor. If the health is there, why not? They might not even have to push that hard to get number one. But I actually do have them at number two with the Clippers or Denver really going full throttle this year to make a statement, I feel like. But uh, yeah. All right, last question. One bold prediction. I asked you for one bold prediction. It can be a stat or it can just be a general thing that you foresee happening within the year. Give me your one bold prediction, and then I'll cap it off with mine. So th- we're going bold, and yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be bold this time. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say THT because <laughs> he's our boldest player out there. Yeah, he is. He's gonna be our third leading scorer. Come season ten. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you saved the best that, for last. That is going to blow everyone's mind. He's going to be the James Harden light version that we need him to be. And it's going to be an amazing season for him. He's going to win sixth man. Or <laughs> most if improved. He doesn't, he'll probably, yeah, most improved. Because he'll probably be starting a lot of games if, if we're sitting some of these guys. But he will be hovering around that 17 18 point per game Ooh. average oh that is the oh, bold that prediction that is the bold prediction you are showing your hand a little because we have a fantasy basketball draft coming up tomorrow night <laughs> uh, i'm afraid to see where you pick this guy cuz it is a keeper league so 
I'm gonna brace myself for that. Um, that's amazing. I, I'm not even gonna doubt any of that. <laughs> I'll say yeah, it <laughs> happened. My bold prediction, I have two. One that's semi-Lakers related, one that's Lakers related, and it's just kind of stupid. Um, my bold prediction is DeMarcus Cousins will find his way back to the Lakers after being bought out by the Houston Rockets because <laughs> James Harden's been traded. It's a tank team. He is not liking it. He wants his redemption story. And the Lakers could use an insurance big behind Mark to load manage him. Though the Lakers will probably more likely sign like a guy like Trevor Ariza if he's bought out. I do predict that if it so happens that the Rockets are tanking and they're going all in on Christian Wood, which they're going to do anyways, DeMarcus Cousins is going to be like, buy me out. I want to go back to my buddies with the Lakers in Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So that's my random bowl prediction. And then like my, Lake, my more Lakers-centric one is, I guess, I guess not that bold, but maybe to some, and considering the circumstances. But uh, I'm going to say Kuzma remains a Laker throughout the season. So Kuzma's not getting traded, <laughs> even if the Lakers know, and even if he's averaging like 16 points, and the Lakers are like, ah, oh, this dude is going to get an $18 million offer. We're probably not going to match it. Even with that in mind, I don't think they're going to trade him. They're going to, I think, bite the bullet, see what's going to happen to Kuzma's market. And I think there's not a guy that they can really trade for that you can get that same size back and yeah. establish continuity, that they're better off even if they know they're going to let him go. Just having him play on this team and help helping uh, and have him to help us win, you know, that second championship. So that's my second bold prediction. Kuzma will remain a Laker, but I like yours a lot better. Tht, eighteen <laughs> points a game, third leading scorer on the Lakers. I love it. All right, Andy, that was a lot of fun. Uh, mainly because the Lakers are a lot of fun, and there's a lot to look forward to this week. It's uh. It's nuts. It's crazy. Uh, I, I guess it's the best way to turn around this crazy 2020 year vaccine coming. Um, the Lakers are the vaccine that this league needed. The Lakers on top is the vaccine this league needed. And uh, yeah, Kevin Durant's back. Steph Curry's back. Uh, it should be a fun season. And the Lakers being at the top of this list in terms of fun and litness. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining me. And uh, we'll you. talk again as the season progresses. Thank you.